1: Remember what you said You'll return that I might live In my Father's
2: house The soul that sinners shall surely die, right? If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Ultimately, you're going to pay a price for entering and allowing yourself to engage in sin. There's actually no benefit in it whatsoever. There might be some pleasure in it for a season, I'm not gonna tell you otherwise, but ultimately it'll be a destructive force within your life. There's no benefits that are gained whatsoever. But listen, the greater folly
0: is not to confess it. Have you ever walked down the path of sin and gotten to the point where you realize it's destroying your life? Maybe it was a lie that got out of control or a flirtation that turned into an affair. God is good, and he's not trying to keep good things from you. He knows that sin will lead to destruction, but he also provides an escape for you. How do you escape the sin? Through confessing it. When we confess, we are forgiven and cleansed. There is no sin so bad that he will not forgive. So turn to him today. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, as he continues his message, A Cure for Guilt and Fear.
2: So take heed of this. Notice in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who, first of all, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So notice the progression here. He first of all walks. Secondly, he stands. And thirdly, he sits. He walks, first of all, carelessly, and he gives in to his fleshly impulses. And isn't that the way that sin begins to have its effect on a person's life? The second part is he stands. After he walks, then finally he stands, willfully violating God's commandments, ignoring God's warnings. And then thirdly, he sits. He becomes persistent teachers and tempters of others, seeking to draw other people into those same temptations and to sin's. So there's a progression outlined for us here in the Psalm 1, the first of all of the Psalms, and it goes from bad to worst. So that person, his heart no longer smites him, no longer senses that feeling of guilt. And gang, let me tell you something, this is a dangerous place to be in. It could even mean that God has withdrawn his spirit from us. You know, one of the most frightening verses of Scripture in all of the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, when God tells us there, my spirit shall not always strive with man. What a terrible place to be in. That is when God withdraws his spirit from us. And no longer do we experience the effect of God's Holy Spirit reproving us and convicting us of our sin. And so, what a blessing then, right? That conviction, it's really a blessing. We should be thankful for it when we have that conviction. When we feel terrible, after that we have sinned, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You've experienced this for yourself, but again, there's the warning. That might not always be the case. You see, you can go on, you can go so into sin, you can continue in sin, that God will not speak to you anymore. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 4 and verse 17, as it relates to the tribe of Ephraim, which was the dominant tribe in the northern kingdom. And there we are told that Ephraim is joined to idols, and then God goes goes on to proclaim through the prophet Hosea, let him alone. Let them alone. It's tragic when God says of a person, "Let them alone in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 14 and verse 11, there God spoke to Jeremiah and in turn Jeremiah was to bring the message to the people and God said to Jeremiah, don't pray anymore for these people don't pray for their good So God spoke to Jeremiah, and if you pray, I will not hear you and another portion in the book of Jeremiah, God addresses the people through the prophet and he says, don't even bother lifting up your hands towards heaven because when you pray, I am not going to hear you. Can you imagine anything so terrible? I mean, you know, in life circumstances and every one of us goes through some kind of an experience where we make our appeal unto God. We're asking God for help. We're asking God to intervene. We're seeking the counsel of God. But guess what? It never comes because God has left us alone, right? And we have to face whatever situation we're going through on our own, in our own strength. But what a blessing it is to know that in times like that, we have the ability to go before the Lord, before the throne of grace, and receive God's word, receive God's counsel and God's help. You see, they had gone too far. And it is possible for a person to continue in sin to the extent where God will no longer speak to them. Their hearts become so hardened, they sneer at what is right for them to do. Now, let's go back to our text. I want you to notice. There in verse 10, David did what every one of us should do when our hearts begin to smite us. When God's Holy Spirit begins to convict us. Notice what David did. He confessed his sin. And gang, this is the value of this story, pointing us to the way out of guilt and fear and once again helping us to enter into the grace of God. Notice what David proclaimed in verse 10. He says, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. In other words, he confessed his sin. In the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, Solomon tells us there in the 28th chapter in verse 13. He that seeks to cover his sin shall not prosper. Now, remember, David had an earlier experience where he tried to cover his sin. Remember his adulterous relationship with the woman whose name was Bathsheba. And the result of this adulterous relationship with this woman Bathsheba, she had become Pregnant. So what was David to do? He wanted to cover his sin. So at that time Bathsheba was married to her husband whose name was Uriah who happened to be one of David's military force and he was engaged in a battle against the Philistines. So he sent word to one of his generals and he ordered her husband Uriah home from the battle thinking that while he was on leave, back visiting his wife and at home, that he would have entered into a sexual relationship with his wife Bathsheba and would have impregnated her and all would be well, right? And that baby that was now in Bathsheba's womb would actually be her husband Uriah's child and not his. But And so David sought to cover his sin. But as we read on in that chapter of the Bible, when Uriah came back home, he would not even enter into his home again to be with his wife because he thought that it wasn't right for him to be at home while his comrades were still on the front lines fighting against the Philistines. So once again, David was trying to cover his sin but it only compounded his sin. So what did David do next? Well, now he sent word once again to his general, and Uriah was sent back to engage in the battle against the Philistines, and Uriah was sent out on a suicide mission, and he was killed. So David trying to cover his tracks, right? Cover his sin. One thing led to another, and finally the result of his actions, wound up killing Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. So it only, for David, got deeper into his sin, which, of course, is often the case. He dug for himself a deeper hole. Then some other people seek to cover their sin by denying it. It goes something like this. Oh, it's okay, you know, the sin that I've just committed. Why is it okay? Well, everybody is doing it. That's their rationale, right? Deny, you know, even denying the existence of their sin. But, you know, 1 John, in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 8, the apostle tells us there, if we say that we have no sin, that is, deny its existence, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. So covering our sins by Denial. So that's another way that we treat our sins. But listen, remember, Solomon said, you will not prosper. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, sometimes there's a confession of sin without repentance. It goes something like this. Someone says, I'm a sinner. Aren't I cute? Oh, shame on me. Silly me. And they just kind of laugh about it, right? Well, listen, gang, that is not repentance. There's no sign of repentance. The word repent literally means to change. And change reveals true repentance. You Remember when Saul, I'll give you an example of this. You know, when we say that we repent, but there's no sign of true repentance, we've not taken any actions. Remember when Saul was seeking to kill David? unsuccessfully, several attempts by Saul to uh, kill David because he knew, he was convicted in his heart, that God had chosen David in his place to be the next king over Israel. So now moved by jealousy and envy, remember how Saul was seeking to kill David. And one day, and it's recorded first in 1 Samuel in chapters 24, and remember one day David had the opportunity to kill Saul but he didn't take it. And remember how that Saul actually entered into a cave where David and his men were hiding, and he went into that cave. Into the, uh, David was hiding in the recesses of the, the cave. Saul went in to actually relieve himself, to go to the bathroom, right? And so the men thought, oh, right, man, we got him exactly where we want him. He was the only one in that cave. And the men that were with David counseled them, you know, Kill him now and let's put an end to this sort of thing. You know, him seeking to take David's life. But remember, David would not touch God's anointed. He figured if God, you know, placed him as the king, then it was God's responsibility to remove him as the king. So anyway, while Saul was relieving himself, David sneaked up on him and he took his sword and he cut off a corner of his robe. Well, after Saul was finished and he left the cave, David pursued him, and he cried out to Saul, and he said, Saul, he says, why do you continue to seek to kill me? I just had the opportunity to take your life from you, but I chose not to. I would not put my hand on God's anointed. And as he's saying that, he's holding up the corner of Saul's garment, you know, just to prove that he had the opportunity. So Saul, realizing that David didn't take that opportunity, that David was actually loyal to Saul, said, Oh David, I have sinned. But as we read on, remember, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, he went right on trying to kill David. And so the confession of his sin was meaningless. It did not cause him to change, which reveals true Repentance. Remember, there's going to be a change in our actions if, in fact, we have repented of our sin. We're going to bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. And that's the way that Paul explains true repentance. Now, back in our text, David also declares, notice also there in verse 10, he says, I have done very foolishly. And gang, listen, sin is foolishness. When you look at the sin, what you have done, as I mentioned before, you think, how in the world could I have actually allowed myself to enter in? How stupid of me. The folly of sin. You know, when we finally come to our, we come back to fully understand that this is just no benefits that are gained whatsoever. Oh, yes, there might be pleasure in sin for a season, but listen, you're going to pay the consequences of sin. You can't get around it. The soul that in shall surely die, right? If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Ultimately, you're going to pay a price for entering and allowing yourself to engage in sin. There's actually no benefit in it whatsoever. There might be some pleasure in it for a season. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But ultimately, it'll be a destructive force within your life. There's no benefits that are gained whatsoever. But listen, the greater folly is not to confess it. So listen, as soon as God's spirit convicts your heart, it is so important you confess your sin. Notice in verse 10, David cries out, I beseech you, Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant. And thank God he has provided for the forgiveness of our sin. So we should do likewise. You know, I think at times we fail to realize how simple it is to receive the forgiveness of God. There's no penance involved, as some, you know, other religions suggest. The only way that you're going to be forgiven of your sin is to do some kind of works or penance or whatever to make up for our sin, some weird atonement, some kind of an act. But listen, it's just all about receiving the mercies and the grace of God that forgiveness as we confess our sin. God is more than willing and ready to forgive us of our sin if we'll just confess it. You know, let me give you an example of this from the Scriptures. Remember the story of Naaman, the captain of the Syrian troops, who is, by the way, a righteous and virtuous man. And that's the way that he's recommended to us in the Scriptures. He was secretary of defense. We are also told that this man was struck with leprosy. And so anyway, news was brought back to him. One of his servants happened to be an Israeli girl. And she told Naaman about this prophet whose name was Elisha and how that he had the capacity or that he served the God who heals all manners of infirmities. And so anyway, news had been brought back to Naaman concerning this prophet, and thus he goes down to Elijah to be healed. Now, when he arrived, Elijah sent his servant with the message. Elijah didn't even go out, you know, to approach Naaman when he came, and he just sent one of his messengers in his place, and this was what he told them to do. Go down to the Jordan River, take a dip. Enter into the Jordan seven times, and thus you'll be cleansed. Well, listen, Naaman, now you've got to understand, Naaman was a very mighty man. He was a captain. He was a general over one of the most powerful nations on the face of the earth at that time. Very powerful, prestigious individual. And Naaman was infuriated just on the basis of the prophet Elijah wouldn't even come out to visit with him or to meet with him. he rather sent a servant in his place, and he thought to himself, how dare he? And so now he's beside himself, and he's just going home back to where he had come from. And all of a sudden, one of his servants, who had traveled down with him, said, what do you got to lose? And by the way, this is recorded for us in 2 Kings in chapter 5, and verse 13. And so his servants came near and spoke to him, Naaman, and said, my father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So what do you got to lose? You know, what were you expecting? Him to ask you to do some great thing? Would you have rather that he told you or charged you a large sum of money or you to kill the fire-breathing dragon I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, right? But that's the mindset of so many people. You know, again, we're, remember the, the subject that we're talking about, just receiving the forgiveness of God. We think that we have to do all of these things to, you know, to receive the forgiveness of God and, and to remove our sin. And, but that's not the case at, at all here. Because he has asked you to do a simple thing, you're upset. That's what the servant suggested. Listen, why don't you just try it? And well, as we read on, Naaman went down to the Jordan, he entered it seven times, and guess what? He was completely healed of his leprosy. And so the forgiveness that God offers to us is so simple. It's just as simple as that. What do we need to do? Just confess our sin. And as the scripture tells us, as John tells us in his epistle, he is more than willing and faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness righteousness. Versus looking to make some deal with God. Listen, God, this is what I will do for you. Just overlook what I have done. We're bartering with God. We're looking to get, you know, enter into some agreement with God to get him to do what we want him to do for us. But you see, God has already made his own deal with man. What was that deal? He sent his son into the world to take our guilt and die in our place because of our sin. So that by our faith in Jesus Christ, we come to God with our confession of sins. And God, by our coming to him, by faith in Christ, washes us, cleanses us, makes us holy and pure. It's complete forgiveness, gang. And it's just as though we have never committed the sin in the first place. God Forgives, He's in the business of forgiving. He forgets. He throws our sin into the uh, sea of forgetfulness. Yea, though our sin be as red as scarlet, it becomes as white as snow. And the record of that sin is completely blotted out. Listen, listen, let me ask you something. Is your heart smiting you right now because of some unconfessed sin? something that you've allowed yourself to become involved in? Well, here's the value of this message. God is faithful. God is uh, true. If we will confess our sin, he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So listen, as we prepare our hearts, if any of you have been messing around with sin, you've allowed sin to take hold within your life, now's the time to make things right. Just confess that sin before the Lord. This is just between you and the Lord. I'm not going to ask anyone to stand or confess their sin. This is just between you and the Lord. You do it privately right now. God is standing at the door of your heart right now and He's knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to restore that relationship that has somehow you know, been removed because of that unconfessed sin within your life. Let that whole process begin right now. So let's worship the Lord. Let's prepare our hearts and do exactly that.
1: In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be.
0: Oh, my. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to our continuing study of 2 Samuel next time, right here on In My Father's House.
1: a place for